Welcome to another episode of Yesterday's Capers. I'm Abdullah Molim, and every week I'll be bringing you the very best shows from the past that the world has to offer. This week, we've got boy genie eyes and male protagonists for you as we talk Lucky Luke and Bruno the Kid. And we take a special look at the iconic Dexter's Laboratory. Or Laboratory, it doesn't matter. I'm going to level with you listeners. This wasn't my favourite week, and I'll tell you more as we go along. So, let's get started. And uh, joining me as ever is producer Paul. And yes, I said what I said. But at least Dexter's lab was all right, though, wasn't it? Find out more later. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Uh, so see where you're going. I see where you've uh, gone with that. Bruce Willis in a cartoon? I mean... Yeah, I don't think it worked out. Stick to the diehards and the Armageddons and the... Actually, Armageddon was rubbish. But yeah, stick to the diehards and uh, Sixth Sense. That's a good film. That's a good Bruce Willis film. Yeah, but once you know, if you know the twist, there's no point in even watching the bloody film. Why not? It's still you're still telling the story. The boy is still good. You know how I was talking about, you know, uh, Adele not being my favorite. Did you watch an audience with Adele? That was on that was on the TV like the other day. It was actually a really good, it was really good fun actually. Commands the audience, having a having a, a sing along and 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 all of those things. It was actually. Yeah, it's actually pretty good. I thought it was, uh, it was good entertainment and it was uh, very topical considering as I was saying, oh, well, I don't really like Adele, the music and whatever. But yeah, she was she was ace. Like She is great value, had the audience at her fingertips and all those things. But no, back back to this. Yeah, I, I'm just going to come out and say it. This week was a flop. <laughs> this week was a flop. <laughs> uh, honestly, y'all, this, this week was just, yeah, no. This week was not it, and let's uh, let's 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 get let's get this one out of the way, and then we can move on with our lives. We're gonna start off with Lucky Luke, and this came out in October 1984. I'm gonna try and be as enthusiastic as possible and high energy and 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 all of those things, but really deep down, I'm just like, can I just move on to the next week's episode? But yeah, here we go, October 1984. Aboard the Space Shuttle Challenger, astronaut Catherine D. Sullivan becomes the first American to perform a spacewalk. The European Economic Community makes £1.8 million available to help combat the famine in Ethiopia. Mark Garneo becomes the first Canadian in space. And The Terminator was in the cinemas. And Shout to the Top by the Style Council in the charts lucky luke so this was a american animated actually it's not even american at all oh it's just a force of habit really because everything we do is pretty much american but this was a canadian no it's not canadian either english european it's european and so this was a animated tv series based on the comic book series of the same name created by morris and the series lasted for 26 episodes and it was co-produced by hanron barbera Gaumont, Extra Film, and FR3. Lucky Luke is a solitary cowboy traveling through the far west, accompanied by his faithful force, Jolly Jumper, and almost every episode by Rant and Plan, the, pris- the prison guard dog who gets lost in the west by wanting to follow Lucky Luke or find his prison. He finds himself confronted with various bandits and thugs like the Dalton brothers, Billy the Kid, 
Jesse James and Phil Deffer. Lucky Luke is a Western band de dessine series created by the Belgian cartoonist Morris in 1946. Morris wrote and drew the series single-handedly until 1955, after which he started collaborating with French writer René Goscinny. Their partnership lasted until Goscinny's death in 1977. Afterwards, Morris used several other writers in his own death into, until his own death in 2001. Since Morris's death, French artist Day has drawn the series scripted by several successive writers. It takes place here yeah, in the old American West and Lucky Luke is a gunslinger known as the man who shoots faster than his shadow. And Lucky Luke is one of the best known and best selling comic series in Europe. It has been translated into 23 languages, 81 albums have appeared in the series as of 2021 and three special editions homages as first published by Dupois. And from 1968 to 1998, they were published by Dargord and then by Lucky Productions. Since 2000, they have been published by Lucky Comic. Each story was first serialized in a magazine in Spyro from 1946 to 1967, in Pelote from 1967 to 1973, in Lucky Luke in 1974-75, in the French edition of Tintin, and in various other magazines. And it has also been adapted in other media, such as films, TV series, live-action films, etc., etc. Although always described as a cowboy, Luke generally acts as a writer of wrongs or bodyguard of some sort, where he excels thanks to his resourcefulness and his incredible gun prowess. A recurring task is that of capturing the bumbled, inclined, but meaningless gangsters, the Dalton brothers, Joe, William, Jack, and Averill. He rides Jolly Jumper and accompanied by Rantan Plan, He's the stupidest dog in the universe and a spoof of Rin Tin Tin. Morris, who had been criticised over Lucky Luke's cigarette for a long time, answered his critics, the cigarette is part of the character's profile. Just like the pipe of Popeye or Margaret, it is claimed that Morris was forced to remove cigarettes that Lucky Luke smokes from his strip and Lucky Luke used to be a heavy smoker and had to give up smoking for commercial reasons apparently to gain success to the American market. Morris received an award from the World Health Organization in 1988 for replacing Luke's omnipresent cigarette with a wisp of straw in the story fingers. And in the 2007 animated film, Tous à la quest, une adventure de Lucky Luke. If I said that wrong, French listeners, I apologize. Lucky Luke is seen using what appears to be a nicotine patch and mentions that before that he had to chew on a piece of straw for a while after he quit smoking and in the 1994 story Le Pont sur le Mississippi the bridge over the Mississippi he is seen rolling a cigarette again although he claims it was just to hide his boredom and in Sarah Bernhardt where Bernhardt cooks lights a fire to make a cake despite Luke's strict orders not to Luke is seen rolling a cigarette in an irate mood he then strikes a match only for it to be blown out by Jolly Jumper, who reminds him of his own no-fire orders. Oh, God. Yeah, so what do you think about this show, then? Right, so, first of all, it was too long. Like, they were just dragging it out. But, have that being said, it was 
it was quite a self-aware kind of cartoon and I liked that about it. It didn't take itself too seriously. It wasn't one of, you know, wasn't kind of like, let's go kill the, not kill the bad guys, but, you know, like capture the bad guys and, you know, and save the world and stuff like that. Even the horse was like, why do we, I think at the end of the first episode is like, why are we always walking into the sun? This glare's killing me. Stuff like that made me laugh and and I think that, that rescued it. But like I said, it it was like, what, 25 minutes long? Why? <laughs> it, it's just, it just seemed to be kind of like, long for being long's sake to fill a gap in the epg you know rather than or the not so electronic programming guide but you know what i mean yeah uh that's one thing yeah it was criminally long i watched this first so it's probably like dampened the mood for like all of the other shows maybe on another light i could have given them all another chance but no, this was way, way too long. Of all the cartoons that Hanron Barbera decided to adopt and turn to uh, a cartoon, this one most definitely wasn't it. Because I think in the 80s, they kind of picked up the Snorks and the Smurfs from Europe. And fair play to them. Both of those worked pretty well. And they were they 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 they, they made it successful, but this one, no. This was just everything about this. I think they 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 tried to make it funny and comedy and doing the whole Hanna Barbera gimmick, but yeah, this just this just did not work for me one bit. No, this was just not a not a good show by any stretch of the imagination, and probably one of the worst cartoons we've done in a in a long time, actually. I don't think it was that bad. I think you're giving it a bit, bit of a rough old time, but it was, yeah, it wasn't the best. It is biker mice from Mars level bad. Oh no, that's unfair, man. At least it was a little bit funny. The horse was funny and the dog was funny. There were little nuggets. Okay, fair enough. But little nuggets, that's not enough for me for 25 minutes. If you're gonna make me sit through a cartoon for 25 minutes, you gotta give me more than little nuggets. You gotta give me a, you gotta give me a full chicken, not the rubbish part of the chicken, the nugget. One thing that made me laugh was like, do you know like how you, when you know you're trying to tra- train a dog and you like tell it to do one thing, it does another, and he's like, he's like, stay here, and the and then the dog's like, oh, <laughs> maybe he wants me to follow him, and then he, you know, he then he runs off. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, for me, if if it's that that's it's got to be like that throughout. There's got to be jokes throughout. If you're gonna make me sit through 25 minutes of a cartoon try and get my attention and and this is probably what if it was shown in america you'd have to sit through not one but two ad breaks i'm not sitting through a cartoon for two ad breaks. are you kidding me no this 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 cartoon didn't work for me man yeah let's just talk through episodes and then we can uh so i watched episodes one and two episodes one and two i think there's only three on the list right god i hope it's the same one so then this one will end quicker but yeah go and talk about mar dalton mar dalton he's a long way from home johnny is johnny is the horse's name i think it's jolly the horse right um so he goes into town for the um as a hideout for the infamous dalton gang so he, t- he puts a horse in like a um horse wash that was like quite funny Do you know we've got car washes nowadays you put one in a little conveyor belt and it kind yeah <laughs> uh, so got, uh, then old lady is in trouble and about to get run over, he says when she says you don't need any help. That old lady is Ma Dalton, the um the matriarch of the Dalton family. Uh, so her old man is in prison, so they let her rob the places to make her feel not useless. They go she goes to visit her sons are in prison and she brings 
um, she brings in uh, a cat for them, but then the, the dog chases the cat, and one of them's tied to the dog, and it gets smashed up. So anyway, she brings it, gives them bread. There's a file in the bread, so they escape. Lucky Luke tracks them down. Mar frees the lads from their chains. Uh, they go get Lucky Luke. They throw a rock at him, but it's like a kind of wily coyote thing where you know, while the, the road runners always fine, and the coyote always gets smashed up. So Lucky Luke stumbles across Ma's house. Uh, Ma went out for a look for baddies. Bushwhack the dot won't get up because Ma said to stay. Now they're in a mine and they're all um, cleaning it up to kind of stay there. Uh, Joe and Ma go to town to rob the place. Joe ends up getting caught by a horse. Joe dresses up as a grandma. He goes into the bank and she says, I'm going to come give the money back. But Lucky Luke comes and they get arrested. The Dalton boys are trying to spring Ma from jail. Uh, Luke dresses as a grandma. Ma escapes. Luke gets taken to the hideout because he's sparked out. Ma comes to the hideout, big fight, mine collapses, everyone gets caught, Ma is now the prison cook. Episode 2, Dalton's in the blizzard, Warden's birthday, I was thinking about you in this one, with the uh, Mounties. So the Warden's birthday, in prison, the Dalton's trying to escape, Lucky Luke's walking around, Bushwhack's following him. Postman comes and gives him a letter, tells the Dalton's escaped again, he uses Bushwhack to track them. Dalton's go, going to Canada because they can't be arrested there, Horse doesn't want to go because it's far, and he's like, why don't you go and get a train? Uh, they're going going by the jones boys now that's the daltons the daltons trail has gone cold and so does a horse the daltons stole the stagecoach the daltons go stop by river and just so happened lucky luke is at the same river bushwhack season mountain lion comes and bushwhack not realizing it's chasing everyone next day dalton's looking for the border they find it and a mountie they find a cabin in the wilderness and they have tea bushwhack sits by the fire dalton goes into town into saloon and goes on the rub Luke comes in and shoots a moose head onto them, and one of them is on the loose, and Luke goes after them. The one he's after sets the others free. They're all walking backwards to fall Luke on the trail. They walk off a cliff by accident. Then they get squashed by a tree. Then they get a job as a lumberjack, but they rubbish at it. So then they try a job as a chef. Then the mountain lion is still stalking Luke, but he's not having much luck. And they go and see Mr. Lumberjack Man, and he says, come to my place, I've got four new chefs obviously the Daltons, and they get found out and Lucky Luke chases them. The bushwhack nearly drowns. Dalton's escaping down a river. Then they go down a waterfall, obviously. If ever, anyone's ever on a river floating down it, they're obviously going to go down the waterfall. Luke and Mountie go for tea, but it's running out because the Daltons had it. They hide up a tree and the mountain lion has been stalking... The, the mountain lion that's been stalking them all episode is up it. Bushwhack pushes Daltons into USA and then catches them, and Luke brings them back to prison. What I did like was in the first episode how the, the taller of the Dalton bros would be like, oh, look, mom, I cleaned up. And she's like, oh, you're such a good boy. And then Joe's like, oh, I hate him so much. Such a goody two-shoes. And, and um, yeah, he's always striving for Mars affection, but he never gets it. Right. So, yeah, I watched Dalton's Redemption, unfortunately. So uh, Luke is in Washington, D.C. And, yeah, so he's, like, getting set up. So he has to go talk to uh, the senator called Gerrymander, which I thought actually was quite a, a clever play on words. But yeah, so he's talking to uh, Mr. Gerrymander about prison reform. And obviously he wants to give criminals a second chance and release them. And Luke was like, I hope you're not releasing who I think you're releasing. And it's going to be the, the program is going to be the Dalton boys. So... Luke is like, I insist you change your mind, but the senator's like, no. And so the Daltons are trying to get away from Luke, but Luke tells them that if they're good for one month, they could be free for good. So they get given starting over money, and they're just told, look, you need to 
assimilate into society. You need to integrate and do all of those things. But obviously people in this new town know who the Dalton boys are. And everyone's rocking up their premises. And someone goes into the shop and gives them the cash register. And one of them's walking out with it. And so Joe's like, put that cash register back. We can't be stealing. No more mistakes. They go to the hotel. Everyone's putting their hands up. They're like, we don't want any trouble. And so they hate being crooks or hate being treated like crooks. They try to skip town, but Luke stops them. There's a town meeting about the Dalton boys. Luke is trying to explain what the senator wants. And he wants the town to accept them. They're looking for work and they have to work on the mayor's home. Luke is trying to help the Dalton boys find what they're good at. And Joe suggests that they open a bank. And the horse was like, oh, I'm losing interest already. See, that's the one thing I hated. Every other line was a pun in this stupid show. The town don't trust the Dalton boys with their money. So Luke is setting an example and he deposits $10, which at the time in the wild, wild west was probably a lot of money. So they go into the tavern and they bump into Sam, who's like a, someone who knows them. And he tries to provoke them and, and obviously Joe wants to fight. Luke comes to defend the, the Daltons and he takes on Sam. The Daltons hate that Luke is always helping them and wants to, and they want to get him after their month is up. Sam wants to set up the Daltons. And so there's two men coming and they say that they've been robbed by the Daltons. So they're going after them. The town makes Dalton go to the bank and open up the safe. And all that's in the safe was Luke's money. The town apologized to the Daltons and they put all their money in the bank. Sam and, and his gang robbed the Dalton bank and they dressed up as the Daltons. There's a big shootout, pistols at dawn and whatnot. And Luke catches up with the criminals and put them all to jail. Daltons try to leave with all the money and they tell Luke that their month is over. But this particular month had 31 days. And the, the program was deemed to be a failure and they go back to jail. And thank goodness that was the end of that. Bruno the Kid. So this was a cartoon that came out in September 1996. And some of the things happening in the world. A permanent peace agreement is signed at the Malacanan Palace between the government of the Philippines and the Moro National Liberation Front. Elijah Izbegovic is elected president of Bosnia and Herzegovina in the country's first election since the Bosnian War. I said the name wrong, I apologise. Nintendo introduces in America a new game console with the name Nintendo 64. The first wives club was in the cinemas. And I've got a little puppy by the Smurfs of all people was in the charts. Bruno the Kid. So this was a syndicated cartoon series created by Bruce Willis and produced by Phil Roman. It stars Bruce Willis as the voice of Bruno, who's an 11 year old boy who becomes a top spy for a secret espionage organization. The organization named Globe contacts Bruno via his computer and a special gadget watch and is completely unaware of its top spy's young age as he hides behind a computer simulated avatar of a full grown man in the image of Bruce Willis. The members of Globe that Bruno works with in person, such as Giles Berg, and Harris are also unaware that Globe does not know Bruno's actual age and assume that the organization must know what he is doing, sending a boy into dangerous situations. 
The episodes consists of Bruno managing to live a double life without the knowledge of his parents or friends. For example, in one episode, he tells his parents that he's camping in the garden and he sets up a torch to project a fake silhouette of himself into the side of a tent so that it looks like he is inside it. Meanwhile, with an alibi set up, Bruno will be saving the world or foiling a major heist with the aid of his British spy partner, Giles Berg. In one episode, one of Bruno's classmates catches Bruno on camera in the process of carrying out a spy mission and he tries to blackmail him. However, Bruno erases the videotape and his secret is safe. His classmate is unable to expose him. Later in the series, Giles Berg quits being Bruno's partner after hesitating to fire a weapon in fear that he will hit Bruno. Bruno objects to Jarley quitting the team. Jarley eventually comes to his senses and returns to being Bruno's partner. He apologizes for quitting and in the course of each mission, they usually meet Harris, a spoof of the character Q in the James Bond books and films, who supplies Bruno with gadgets, which Bruno usually finds a use for later on in the episode. As well as voicing the title character, Willis was one of the exec producers and also co-wrote the co-wrote and sang the theme song for the show with backing singers. Some of the characters, Bruno the Kid, who was voiced by Bruce Willis. Jennifer Hale was Lisey Davison, his best mate. Tony Jay was Jarlsberg. Mark Hamill was Harris. John Bauer was Howard, Bruno's father. And Kath Susie was Bruno's mother as Grace. Tim Curry was uh, Laszlo Gigahertz. Kenneth Mars was Professor Von Trapp. Bronson Pinchot was General Armado Castrato. René Aubergenois was Leonard de Linguini. Matt Frewer was Booby Vicious. And Dawn Lewis was Die Archer. So, Bruno the Kid. Pretty heavy hitters, to be fair. I mean, I'm not sure how big Bruce Willis then, because I just read Pulp Fiction 94. This was 93, so perhaps not as, obviously nowhere near as big of the actor as he was after Pulp Fiction, but this was rubbish. Even when, do you know, like uh, when it shows you the avatar you're making, I was like, oh, that looks like, that looks like Bruce Willis. Not even realizing he was the main lead on it. Yeah, I, just, I thought this was uh, complete, com- like complete rubbish. Like not even, even a little bit good. Um, yeah, I, I don't know what made. Bruce Willis think that he could make a cartoon and think that he could compete with the other cartoons of the of the of the era. I mean what was weird was it was like a full grown man's voice on a kid's body like that was weird. That I mean that's yeah logic 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 kind of like took a really bad hit with this one. Yeah this again this, was, this wasn't I mean I hang on I ain't, I ain't even said what I thought. <laughs> All right, hold on. We'll talk about. We'll get to episodes in a bit. I promise. But um, okay, I'm, I'm not gonna say this wasn't a great or, 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 or yeah. I actually don't know what to say about this show. I am. I mean, it was worse. It was worse than Luke the Lucky. No, it wasn't. It was shorter. Therefore, therefore, by default, it will win because it's shorter by three minutes. And it was, and it was less. And it was less arduous to watch. Like have Lucky Luke was heavy weather to watch. It really was. And this and this one was too in in the, to an extent because it was like you're trying to do you're trying to do this cartoon with a boy who's a spy and he does all these cool things and obviously you're trying to compete with with other programs that I can't really think of right now. Well Johnny Quest would have been out there by now, wouldn't it? Surely. No, this is this is not like Johnny Quest at all, but the point the point the point is that they're trying to 
trying to compete. Johnny Quest came out in '96, the the uh, the newer version with the epic theme song. No, but I mean, like, yeah, because the 1964 version would have been out there in the um, cosmos sort of thing. That's what I meant. But not on television. I'm, it came out, but I don't think it was on. I don't think they showed reruns. If you want. Um. Anyway, it was rubbish. Yeah, you can I talk hate. about your episode. Go on. Right, my episode one was called Episode One: The Flight Begins. So it starts off, and the baddies have some sort of program, which, if activated, will blow up the entire town. Luckily, it's on floppy disk. Good old floppy disk. The opening. Bi- <laughs> so this is what made me laugh, right? So the opening bid, right, is going to be. Have you seen Austin Powers? You know the bit where he's like, where he's like, I, I'm going to blow up the entire world unless I, unless I get like one million dollars. I'll tell you what was funny. The uh, the show that had Heimlich and Maneuver. That was like right at the beginning. You see a sign for like Heimlich and Maneuver and the tiger in the middle. So I thought it was a, a, a spoof of Siegfried and Roy. You ever heard of them? The, t- the two German guys and the tiger. Yeah, I've heard of it. I've heard of Siegfried and Roy, but I haven't heard of Yeah, with the tiger and whatever. But obviously they thought, let's do one called Heimlich and Maneuver. Oh, no. That um... was quite funny actually no i didn't see that but um anyway so million dollars in cash is what the baddies want bruno's playing a game where you have to be in a it's like a jet arcade game as uh, so asian 86 is an arc it's not just a baddie this was a lazlo gigahertz no yeah that's that's the guy who was asking for the million dollars yeah the main bad the guy evil yeah. scientist yeah that's and that was tim curry oh was it oh cool yes right. So Agent 86 in Vegas he has information he calls the spy people and then he gets whacked they need new agents it gets 86. Agent 86 gets 86. So they get a new agent. Bruno's in his room making characters and he's making an international spy character. He gets called for dinner, presses send, and then tomorrow Bruno's on his own. Mum's showing a house for the whole day. He has to be home when the streetlights come on. And I was like, "That's." do you remember that time when it's like parents would tell you, be back when it gets dark, be back this, because probably didn't have a watch, definitely didn't have a phone. So there's different ways to like be home. And now it's like, be like, be back by 1846. And if you're back by 847, you're grounded. Anyway, so he goes back upstairs. He's got a spy job. Then he has to meet someone. A truck tries to... What's the guy's name again? Yeah, Alsberg. And then so there's a truck tries to kill them and Bruno finishes it. Now they're flying and the jet's following, being followed by another jet and they have a dogfight. Bruno takes over because he's playing that game earlier. And because he shot down the jet, now he's proved himself and now they're heading to Vegas to complete the Black Disc mission. The evildoers auction, uh, minimum bid, million dollars. Bruno gets in events, find baddies because there's no 13th floor. He's like, oh, they must be on the 13th floor then. Meanwhile, the auction is going ahead. Colonel McBar for something like $20 million. Now he can do anything. And then he's like, I can even make people rewind rented videos. And I'm sure we've spoken about rewinding um, videos that you rent from the video store uh, on the show before. So Bruno drops on the auction. Yeah, do you remember back in the day when we used to rent videos and you used to have to rewind them? Otherwise you get a fine. I'm sure we've spoken about that before. You used to get a fine for for not rewinding the videos. No, 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 no. What? But we used to do it anyway if you wanted to watch it again. But I'd never heard of... So if you didn't... Yeah, if you didn't rewind it when when you took it back, you used to get a fine. Like of like twenty p or something, whatever it was. No, not 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 here. So anyway, so they they drop in the auction to capture and they throw him in the tigers, and then he plays a harmonica to put him asleep. Then he uses the whip the whip to try and get the keys that are on the table, but then he wakes him up and he has to use a harmonica again to put him asleep. Bruno and I've forgotten the guy's name again make their way to the Hoover Dam because Colonel what's his name is going to blow it up if he doesn't get a bazillion pounds. They get to the dam. 
the baddies take off in a helicopter. Bruno gets a whip and knocks the black disc off it. Then he uses the disc to stop the helicopter. He's in with the spy people now. And he makes him an avatar and uses it to have a video call. Then he goes to bed. Episode 2, North by Southwest. Now, I only watched this one because I'm a Hitchcock fan. And obviously the Hitchcock movie, North by Northwest. And I enjoyed that. So I thought, oh, let's give this a go. North by Southwest. So there's a missile test launch. Missiles don't... Oh, there's the, the Republic of something or other... Yeah, it was really long. They suspect a security card because he's called Lousy Lof. Uh, Bruno's at school, the dinner lady, um, and he's that guy from before that um, he says call Globe. And then this is when I actually realized it was Bruce Willis. Uh, so he's going on a mission to find the missiles. He goes to the Middle East and he goes, uh, and crazy Ahmed is selling him a lamp that's booby-trapped. So they're actually in North Africa. Uh, and now they're looking for someone called Couscous. And this is basically just like a racist episode, to be honest. <laughs> couscous is that yeah so they, they met someone called crazy ahmed who's got a booby trap lamp and they're also looking for a baddie called couscous and then so in this episode he doesn't like falafel and uh, which i was like i can i can get on board with that they, they get there with falafel? how long you got falafel is everyone says falafel's amazing right it's not i would say it's amazing but it's nice Falafel doesn't taste of anything, right? The stuff that you put on it tastes of whatever you want it to taste like. That's what tastes nice. Anyway, yeah, so I'm not a fan of falafels. Um, overpriced and shortage people like it. So um, so they get around the back. Bruno finds the warheads in the oil barrels. They find out that the other guy's a spy because he's... Um, <laughs> right, are you ready for this one? He says, he goes, oh, I'm Shake, you know, Shake like Sheikh, Vader, yeah, you, whatever. He's called Sheikh, Shake Your Moneymaker. <laughs> and then Couscous and then Couscous says, You didn't say that before. You said your name was Shake Rattle and Roll. <laughs> um anyway, so they, they run off. Bruno finds a coordinates of Mount Weissmore, which Lucy's going to, and there's a that's her mate from school. So Bruno asks for his last request and he uses booby trap lamp. Then he uses ejector camel and couscous. Uh, Mr. X got away. Now they're headed to Mount Weissmore. Bruno drops him, drops in on them and steals a detonator. Lucy sees Bruno on the monument. There's a chase. Glasses fall off the monument and the baddies fall off as well. Baddie gets caught and mum's at home making falafel. So that was my two episodes of Bruno the Kid. Maybe I should watch that one. But you know what? I watched the uh, finale, which was called You Go Girl, which I actually didn't think was too bad. So there's someone making a deposit to a New York Central Bank. There's lots of gold pieces. There's someone called Medusa who wants to control the world's gold supplies. And then she takes out the bank manager, Bruno and Lisi at the arcade. Yarl's in disguise and he's telling Bruno to call Glove. But Lisi gets suspicious that he's always leaving all the time. Bruno has to find out who stole the gold. And Lisi's following Bruno. Bruno's always lying to his parents and he comes up with a new excuse this time. I think this one was, oh, I won a competition and I'm going to be awarded with something. Bruno finds Lisi hiding in the airplane and now she knows his secret. Bruno tells her that she needs to watch the experts. She's talking to the bank manager. Lisi spots Medusa, like literally in hiding in plain sight. And then Ozzy Bruno's like, oh, whatever. 
stop to- stop talking or whatever and they, they decide to go after her medusa stops them from following and captures them all she has a machine that can turn things into gold and wipe their memories lisi thinks that bruno's planning is awful and she's always criticizing everything that he does bruno's telling lisi's about the dangers of spying but Yarl is saying that Lisi can prove herself and become an asset. Lisi finds a map of Fort Knox, and that's where the gold is deposited, or that's where it's at. And they all go there. Bruno goes after Medusa. They wipe the memories, and they get all the, the gold. All the bad guys lose their memories. Lisi has so much fun, but she wants to do it again. But Bruno's like... I'm sorry, I have to do this. And obviously, Lisi's like, no, please don't wipe my memory. And then Bruno wipes the memory. And then Lisi's like, oh, I had a dream that I was a spy and so on and so forth. Right, yes, that is done. So we can choose. For me, I mean, this was pretty simple for me. Like, Lucky Luke was by far the better cartoon, in my opinion. I found it way more funny than Bruno the Kid and watchable. Bruno the kid, I was like, "Come on, man! Like, this is this is killing me." But um, yeah, that's how I felt about Lucky Luke. I almost felt that I was losing the will to live watching Lucky Luke. That's how how bad I thought it was. And yeah, so I'm gonna go with Bruno the kid, not because it was better than Lucky Luke, but it was. I found it more tolerable and more. I could sit down and watch this more than um. More than Lucky Luke. So uh, there you go. Two two pretty rubbish cartoons by uh, by any metric. Right, Dexter's laboratory or laboratory. I don't really care. I don't know why I keep saying laboratory or laboratory. I'll just stick with one and go with it. It came out in April 1996 and some of the things happening in the world. In a common statement, the European Union officially recognizes the Federal Republic of Yugoslavia. A general election in Italy proclaims a new center-left government headed by Romano Prodi, replacing Silvio Berlusconi. General Lindo Oviedo is fired from his role as commander of the army by the president of Paraguay, Juan Carlos Huasmosi. After this, he tries to orchestrate a coup d'etat but he fails because the president was not willing to resign. Primal Fear was in the cinemas. And Ironic by Alanis Morissette was in the charts. An old man turned 98. He won the lottery and died the next day. It's like a black fly in a Chardonnay. It's a death row pardon two minutes too late. I think the only thing ironic was that none of those things are actually ironic by definition. So, uh... Ironically, the ironic song had nothing to do with irony. Dexter's Laboratory. So this was an American animated series created by Gennady Tartakovsky for Cartoon Network. It follows Dexter, a boy genius and inventor with a hidden laboratory in his room, which he keeps secret from his parents. He's at constant odds with his older sister, Dee Dee, who always gains access to Dexter's lab and inadvertently foils his experiments. Dexter has a bit of rivalry with Mandark, who's a fellow boy genius and his neighbor and classmate. The segments also featured superhero-based characters, Monkey, Dexter's pet lab monkey, a 
superhero and the Justice Friends, a trio of superheroes who share an apartment and are prominently featured only in the first two seasons. Tartakovsky pitched the series to Fred Siebert's first animated shorts showcase, What a Cartoon, at Hanna-Barbera. Based in it on student films, Tartakovsky produced at the California Institute of the Arts. And although he comes from a typical family, Dexter speaks with an accent of indeterminate origin. Christine Kavanaugh described it as an uh, affection, a kind of accent, we're not quite sure, a small Pete Law, but not. Perhaps he's Latino, perhaps he's French. He's a scientist, he knows he needs a kind of accent. Jenna D. Tartakovsky explained, he's a scientist. All scientists are foreign and have accents. It's not a German accent, it's just Eastern European. And in terms of Mandark, he becomes more evil as the seasons kind of go along and he becomes Dex's enemy rather than his rival. And Mandark's laboratory changes from brightly lit with rounded features to gothic looking industrial and angular. Dex's inventions are objectively better than his and Mandark tries to compensate this by stealing Dex's plans. Mandark's weakness is his unrequited love for Dee Dee. Dex's laboratory originated with one of Gennady Tartakovsky's designs of a ballet dancer. While attending Cal Arts, Tartakovsky drew a tall, thin girl dancing and decided to pair her with a short and blocky opposite. These two characters would eventually develop into Dee Dee and Dexter respectively. Although they went unnamed until Tartakovsky started expanding the concept for Cartoon Network, to further contrast the two characters, Tartakovsky determined that Dee Dee would be artistic, while Dexter would be focused on science. In an interview, Tartakovsky said, Dee Dee came first. She really was the star of the show to me. She was so much fun. Later on, I started on Dexter and he took over. And Dexter's laboratory was Cartoon Network's highest rated original series for years. Internationally, it garnered a special mention for Best Script at the 1997 Cartoons on the Bay Animation Festival in Italy. And in 1998 and 1999, a Dexter balloon was featured in Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade alongside other iconic characters, including the titular piglet from Babe, whom Christine Kavanaugh voiced. And one of Cartoon Network president Betty Cohen's favorite animated shows was Dexter's Laboratory. Rapper Coolio stated in August 2002 Billboard interview that he is also a fan of the series by stating, I watch a lot of cartoons because I have kids. I actually watch more cartoons than movies. And shortly after the premiere of its first season, Dexter's Laboratory was hailed as one of the best new series on Cartoon Network by Ted Cox of the Daily Herald. In the lead up to its second season, Dexter's Laboratory was called the most imaginative series on Cartoon Network by Nancy McAllister of the Florida Times Union. Although McAllister critiqued the gender stereotyping of of Dexter's parents, she acknowledged that she was only applying such scrutiny of the series because Dexter's laboratory had helped convince her that viewers should take animated programs seriously. And as affirmed by Gianalberto Bendazzi in Animation, a World History Volume 3, Dexter's laboratory, along with Craig McCracken's The Powerpuff Girls, helped define the style of Cartoon Network, both for being works in which lines and color are predominant and for underlining their graphic aspect through limited animation. TV critic Robert Lloyd claimed that both artists were at the forefront of a second wave of innovative, creator-driven television animation, 
whose first wave began in the 1990s with the likes of Ralph Bakshi's Mighty Mouse, The New Adventures, and John Crickfalsey's The Ren and Stimpy Show. The show has also been credited for having kickstarted Channel's ascent and launching Tartakovsky's career, which later gave way to Samurai Jack and Star Wars Clone Wars. To this, Gizmo's editor Beth Elderkin adds, since then he's become a staple in children's adult animation. So this is um, Tartakovsky. And uh, Dexter's Laboratory won three Annie Awards. And with nominations for four Primetime Emmy Awards, four Golden Reel Awards, and nine other Annie Awards, the series is notable for helping launch the careers of animators Craig McCracken, Seth MacFarlane, Butch Hartman, Paul Rudish, and Rob Renzetti. Spin-off media included books, comics, DVDs, merch, whatever you want to call it. There were three, there were a couple of segments. So Dial M for Monkey was Dexter's lab monkey called Monkey, I think. And Dexter believes is an ordinary monkey and nothing more. However, Monkey secretly has superpowers and fights evil as superhero named Monkey. The Justice Friends consists of Major Glory, who Dexter himself is revealed to be a fan and collects Major Glory action figures, Valhallen and the Infragable Crunk, a trio of superhero roommates residing in an apartment called Muscular Arms. And their adventure deals with less superhero life and more with the inability to agree with each other. And it presented much like a sitcom, including a laugh track. Tartakovsky determined that Dexter should... So yeah, during one interview, Tartakovsky suggested that viewers should decide for themselves whether or not the character's accent is an affectation, saying that nobody knows whether the character is pretending to be a German scientist or speaking naturally, although Tartakovsky noted in a separate interview that Dexter's accent is not meant to denote any specific nationality, and he revealed in a 2012 Reddit AMA that it was partially inspired by a funny French accent done by his college roommate. Oh, God, that was a lot of notes. Um, Dexter's Laboratory. So my little boy likes this. I found out whilst watching this. So that, that was um, That's definitely a, a plus. But uh, you know what? I loved Dexter's Lab when I was little. It was brilliant. It was so funny. And it was quite short, which was great. Yeah, it's just exactly what a cartoon, cartoon needs to be for me. Nothing really to, to say or not to say about it. I, th- I, th- I think it was great. I like revisiting it as well. Revisiting it was 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 fantastic. I I still find it quite funny. Okay, I'll get the positive out of the way. It was like really really short, seven minutes. I watched like a three minute skit of DD. Fantastic. Doesn't take up a lot of my time. So there you go. But growing up, Dexter's Laboratory didn't really do much for me. That as a kid, I'd see it on TV and I'd be like meh, just a big old meh, and even. Now, it was just, again, a big old meh. Didn't do anything for me. I'll go as far as to say it's probably the most overrated cartoon that you're ever likely to see. I think there is nothing much to it. DD is incredibly annoying. Like, excruciatingly annoying. Uh, Yeah, it was... was, The the accent was weird. Why have you got a, a European accent where everyone in your family is fine unless he's adopted which that could have been a way out for them but they didn't use that as a way out and it's just the he's part of the family and he's got a weird accent 
yeah, I mean, I, I just think Dex, I think it's overrated. No, I think it's really good. I mean, I quite like the fact that Dex is really smart, but has no common sense. And Didi's like the opposite. You know, she's, you know, she knows what's going on, but, you know, she might not, might not be able to do the scientific equations. And um, she, her emotional intelligence is super high. I like that. I like that, that they they were a team. You know, it, they didn't want to be a team. They were a very reluctant team, but um, they were nonetheless. And I quite like that. I don't think we've disagreed more in, a, in an episode for quite a while. I just think, yeah... Disney and Nickelodeon were just way ahead with cartoons than Cartoon Network. I thought, I thought, I thought, I thought Cartoon Network was horribly behind the curve when it came to cartoons. And I don't. See, think I, I, I mean, I was Disney a... had what? Disney had Recess. They had Pepper Ann. What are you talking about? Disney was awesome in the nineties. They had Goof Troop. They had Ducktales. Compared to what? Dexter's Laboratory and the Powerpuff Girls. Come on, Johnny Bravo, turn it in compared to like what? Hey Arnold, compared to Doug, compared to all them other cartoons. Hey Arnold, Rugrats. This is what they're competing with in the 90s. And none of, the, and I'm sorry, Cartoon Network, you're slacking. But they have, but at the same time, I know it wasn't made at the same time, but they were still showing like wacky races. Um, the pigeon that's not one. Cartoon Network. That's that's strictly Hannah and Barbera. Like with with the Cartoon Network stuff. This was the stuff that Hannah and Barbera just kind of took on on their own wing. Because by the by the eighties, I think they just stopped creating ideas and thought, you know what, we've created enough in the sixties. These cartoons are going to live on in infamy, and that's what they did. So they just kind of took them on. So I don't. While I think it's okay put it in the Han and Barbera branch but like they didn't come up with this because I'm sure they would have come up with something better than uh, a boy talking in a weird accent who's a, a genius I don't know it's quite funny I, I liked it I, I, you know I, I think you know Disney might have had one or two but they were mostly flopping it that's not you know what was the flop that was Disney that they did all of the cartoons apart from Pepper Ann and Doug was Disney Recess was Disney yeah okay they got three cartoons in Proud Family was Disney. Okay, that was a little bit later. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. But, but Disney upped their game, but they weren't that, they weren't all that back in those days. I mean, they they were pretty like I said, like Recess is one Nickel, of the best Nickelodeon. And I'll hand I'll hand you Nickelodeon. Nickelodeon was smashing it out of the park. But what Recess was not good. Yeah, no, that's, that's what I'm saying. They had three cartoons. Apart from that, it was all right. I mean, it was rubbish. I didn't like any of their live action stuff. I thought that was all trash. Their live action. So what? I think Smart Guy was Disney. No. That was good. But I think with Cartoon Network, I think generally Cartoon Network were horribly behind Disney and Nickelodeon. It was like Disney and Nickelodeon were like well clear of 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 that. And I think yeah, with Cartoon but you know what? Like I do appreciate the new age cartoons in terms of how it looked visually and how they kind of moved on from the old traditional looking cartoons with lots of colours involved. I did, I did appreciate that and, and the switch to more colour. So, yeah, I think Cartoon Network were one of the first, to be fair, to say, you know what, we're going to try and do something different with the way cartoons look. We're not going to stick to the generic sort of stuff. We're going to try and make it visually more modern and we're going to try and modernise it and be more innovative with the colours and the... With the drawings and I was a fan of uh, Cartoon Network when I was younger, and then when the older cartoons 
went to Boomerang. I was a fan of Boomerang and not Cartoon Network. So I can see, like, you know, Cartoon Network wasn't the best. But anyway, I like this show. I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to compare, like, Earthworm Jim to, like, Recess and then be like, oh, Cartoon Network and Disney. But, yeah. Let's talk about episodes. Right. So, episode one. I watched only three from episode from series one. That's all I watched. But, um, so, uh, Dexter made a monster net and he can't kill it and gives Didi a note to say, take it to the past and to stop this from happening. So, Didi goes back in time. Um, and then Dexter doesn't believe that she's been sent because he would have sent himself. Then he sees both the past and the future DDs and he says he'll do anything to get the message and they make him be in a ballet. Then he takes him to the inter- interdimensional doorway, turns it on, the monster comes back just as before. Both DDs come back to the past once again and now they're stuck in a loop. So episode three was called Maternal Combat. Dexter says it's past breakfast time. He goes in to see his mom and she's sick. He doesn't know how to cook and clean. DD will cook and Dexter will clean. But um, but he's scared. He breathes in the dust and has to take an asthma pump. Didi's making a mud pie. Dexter goes to the lab to make himself a mother. She's really good at doing what he wants. And then Didi's still the remote. Mum goes haywire. So he builds another one. And then uh, mum go haywire. And then they're fighting like Rock'em Sock'em Robots. Uh, Civil Rights Edition. And dad comes home. And the house is a state. And then he doesn't notice a thing. Next episode is episode four. It was called Dodgeball. So on Monday, Dexter's having, like, he gets up and it's like kind of Wallace and Gromit style where, he, you know, it's all done for him. Then it's time for the gym exam, but he's got an excuse letter and there's a substitute substitute teacher and he doesn't care about the letter, so he has to do PE. All the geeks are going down, they're playing dodgeball and they're all getting smashed up. He's the last man standing and he gets mashed up by like loads of balls at the same time. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, all the same. But then the next next school day over the weekend, he builds himself an android suit. He smashes up the bullies and then... Bully, uh, sorry, Didi hits him with the last ball and then he's out anyway, even though he's got the big suit and that was the end of the episode. So the super short. I watched a pilot episode and so in this one, it was where mum is telling Didi to go check on Dexter and see if he's ready for school. Didi goes into a room and goes all the way down to his lab. Obviously Dexter's like, what the hell are you doing here? Get out! And she's messing with all the equipment. Didi presses a button and it turns Dexter into a rabbit. Dexter turns Dee Dee into a toad. Dexter's trying to explain the machine, but Dee Dee's not listening. They're in the house and they're turning into animals and they're eating. Mom is oblivious to everything, but hears noise. So she goes upstairs and they turn normal, but with different voices. And so Dexter is Dee Dee and Dee Dee is Dexter. And they're like how he looks at his cameras like, why not? I've been everything else today. Then I watched Dexter's rival. His first day of school, Dexter's super excited. He's looking good. He's feeling good. There's a new student, Mandark Astronomanov, and he already knows the answer to the question. Hydrogen. And obviously the teacher's like, yes, that is the answer to the question. He didn't even answer. He's like, put his hands up. Hydrogen. Didn't even know. Yeah. And then obviously Dexter's like, oh my God, who's this kid? And he's like, I can read your thoughts, Dexter. And yes, I'm smarter than you. And they're talking about medulla oblongata. I'm not really sure what that is, but they're talking about that. Mandark wants to see Dexter's lab, but he isn't impressed, so he shows Dexter his own scientific facility. Mandark wants Dexter to shut his lab and become his lackey or else. Dexter reluctantly shuts down his lab. All the teachers are avoiding Dexter and they're giving all the attention to Mandark. Mandark sees Dee Dee and falls for her. And Mandark wants Dexter to introduce him and Dexter agrees. Dee is being lured by Candy and she goes to Mandark's house. They're having a dance. She's throwing him around and he's loving it. And Dexter can now open his lab again. 
Then I watched DD cartoon. So DD gets thrown out of Dexter's lab. She goes to her own room and it's a magical place with unicorns and heart shape everywhere. Dee Dee then saves the world from a massive meteor that's about to collide with the Earth. Dee Dee has a huge horse-shaped rocket and takes on the meteor as she saves the Earth and everyone is none the wiser. And the finale was Dex's parents, they make him go to the zoo with Dee Dee. All the animals are terrified of Dee Dee because of how loud she is. She's running around the zoo causing chaos. This episode, I was like, yeah, Dee Dee is annoying. Dee Dee thinks an ostrich is in trouble. So she goes after it because obviously he sees the ostrich with his head in the ground. She's like, come out, ostrich, come out. Just thought it was kind of funny. And then Dee Dee's trying to take the ostrich, but it kicks her. She chases after it. She's like, I'm going to help you whether you like it or not. Dex is enjoying the show. Dee Dee insists on helping the ostrich, but it keeps running away. And I got really confused by the ending. I didn't know if Dee was the ostrich or the ostrich is Dee Dee. Yeah, that was uh, Dex's lab. The medulla oblongata, also called the med- medulla, medulla, is the lowest part of the brain and the lowest portion of the brainstem. The med- medulla oblongata plays a critical role in transmitting signals between the spinal cord and the higher parts of the brain and controlling autonomic activities such as heartbeat and respiration. There you go. I knew I'd heard that expression or thing before. But yeah, there you go. Dex's lab. It was all right. I liked it. I thought it was really cool. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah. like I said, uh, I thought it was overrated, but uh, there you go. Yeah, and on that note, we'll bring the podcast to an end. New Zealand, hello. We've got listeners from New Zealand. What is good? How are you going? I think they say, don't it? How are you going? <laughs> I don't know, but yes, thank you. Welcome. Um, keep listening to the podcast. You've got 100 odd episodes to catch up to so uh there you go we're getting new listeners all the time all the time so yesterday's capers is available wherever you get your podcast from turn on your notifications so that you can get new episodes all the time we're available wherever you get your podcast from so whatever podcast platform whatever type of phone you use i'm sure you could find it we're available on the socials on instagram is yesterday's capers one on twitter it's yesterday capers youtube.com forward slash yesterday's capers facebook.com forward slash yesterday's capers you can follow me on the socials abdullah molim on twitter abdullah underscore molim on instagram give me a follow give me a shout and join us next time for another episode of yesterday's capers